Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Two weeks ago, I spoke a message, I declare by faith. And we wrote down seven declarations to declare every day. Have you been doing that? Brilliant. I'll keep preaching these great messages. I really felt today, you know, it takes 63 days to build a habit into your life. I want to keep speaking these seven, these seven statements of faith. Uh, I really do believe they have the power to transform uh, our lives. And so I want you to, to, to do a stand and declare this today. Even if you haven't been doing it, today could be day one again. It's going to come up on the screen. These prayer cards are available at the, at the info desk and online as well. So should we declare by faith today? You ready? Come on. I declare by faith. I declare by faith. I will encounter supernatural grace and favor. Come on, keep going. I declare by faith. I will enter a new rest in Christ. I declare by faith. I will be strong in body, mind, and soul. I declare by faith. I will lead someone closer to Jesus. I declare by faith. I will watch doors of opportunity open in front of me. I declare by faith. I will experience divine protection over my family and loved ones. Amen. Amen. Father, we declare by faith today as we receive your word, as we're challenged, Father God, Lord, that we would, that we would receive something fresh from you. Some of us have been attending church for 50 plus years, but I pray today our eyes would be open. For some of us, this is the first time we've ever been in this atmosphere and everything seems so new. And I pray that people, Father God, would encounter you for the first time. We thank you that your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Your word transforms. Your word brings life. Your word brings change. We receive your word today by faith. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. Huge welcome to everyone who is joining us online. Today we are kicking off a brand new series called Love Thy Neighbors. Love Thy Neighbor. This is a four-week series to help us re-engage with the mission and the purpose for our lives. Now, I'm in the card, I'm in the gift handing out season, so I'm going to give you another card today for your series, okay? And I want you to bring this card, it says love thy neighbor on the front, and we're going to, we're going to uh, go through this card in the next four weeks, so the host team will pass the cards out, and keep hold of it, bring it back, um, and we will refer to it each week. Now, I want to just throw in a quick disclaimer. This will be a very challenging series, okay, especially today's session. As we build up to the wonder, I want to agitate you a little, provoke some things, and uh, hopefully we'll understand a little more about the challenges that we have with our neighbors and those around us. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, Jesus was asked a question. Jesus was asked many questions, and he actually only ever responded to a handful. He, he was asked this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the Bible, in the law? The, Jew, the Jews had 600, 613 laws, of which 
we know about the first ten. The first ten, the Ten Commandments, where many of us are familiar with them. But they challenged Jesus and said, of all the 613, which is the most important? And Jesus responds and he says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And Jesus always gives you a little extra. He says, I won't just give you one, I'll give you the second. He says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you're wondering what the purpose of your life is, here it is. If we could put the whole of scripture into one paraphrase, it would be this. Love God and love others. People say, well, what, what's it like to be a Christian? What, what, what do we need to do? Love God, love others. Of the 800,000 words in the Bible, we can pull them all the way in to loving God and loving others. Now, I think the neighbor that Jesus talks about here is a far bigger idea than just the neighbor that you live beside. Okay, who's got a neighbor you live beside? Do they play their music loud? Come in late at night? Does their dog bark? No, our neighbor's dog barks. But I think Jesus is referring to something far bigger than just the person who lives next door or below or on top of us. Jesus is referring to a wider community. He's referring to our fellow citizens. In fact, I'll go one step further. Jesus is referring to anyone who is on the pathway of our lives. People who we come into contact with, people who we engage with. And we've heard this said so many times, haven't we? Love thy neighbor. In fact, when I said love thy neighbor, half of you switched off. Half of you switched off. You know, we, we talked about it. People have made t-shirts about it, put caps on. We've even sung about it, haven't we? Neighbors. Oh. Everybody needs good neighbors. Remember this one? With a little understanding. Come on, if you're over 25. Find the perfect plan. Neighbors should be there for one. Band. Who did not know what just happened there? <laughs> Ten years of my life, I was hooked on Ramsey Street. Anyone else? 5.30 till 6 o'clock every weekday night. Anyway, neighbors. Now, the, here's our challenge. Often, the word love in love thy neighbor has been replaced by another word. Gossip about thy neighbor. Post on the group about thy neighbor. Spy on thy neighbor. During COVID, do you remember that? People peeking through the curtains. Tell on thy neighbor. But the real, the real one is this, ignore thy neighbor. Ignore their neighbor. 
Or what about this one? Compete with thy neighbor. They pull up with a new car and you feel the pressure. Or they've got stripes on their lawn. So I'm going to get them back. I'll show them what stripes are. Or when you're driving, cut up thy neighbor. And then you end up yelling at thy neighbor. And the challenge is, it's so easy, isn't it, to look at our messed up, broken, challenging world full of injustices and feel so overwhelmed and think this, and I'll be honest, and it's, it's just too difficult. It's just too difficult. People are just too hard. So we end up, we end up just taking care of me. You know, one of the enemy's focuses for our lives is this, I'll just focus on me. I'll just focus on me. It's just too hard. I don't know about you, but I've been overwhelmed, even this week, seeing the crises that are breaking out in our country. You just feel so overwhelmed, it's just easy just to focus on me. And so what's happening is we take love thy neighbor and we replace it with neglect thy neighbor. And so the more we think about this command, love thy neighbor, actually the less attractive it sounds. It looks fantastic on a baseball cap. It looks brilliant to walk around the city in a love thy neighbor hoodie. But actually, to ignore thy neighbor or neglect thy neighbor or lose sight of my neighbor is actually easier. Any, anyways, is God really being serious? He commands us to love thy neighbor. Has he met my neighbor? Does he live next door to my neighbor? Has he seriously encountered my employer? God is saying, love those in my world who think, act, dress, sound, identify different to me. Love those who vote differently. Love those who have a different religion to me. Love those who have a different theology to me. Love those who are completely crazy, <laughs> peculiar, mad, outrageous, eccentric. Is it just me or is my world just full of those people? And Jesus said, didn't he? Jesus said, he said, this isn't a suggestion. This isn't one, an idea. He actually calls it a command. You know, if I ask my children to do something, I can say, hey, Miracle, will you just tidy your bedroom? That's a suggestion. Miracle, come here, please. Sit down. Miracle Joy, your bedroom has not been tidied for one week. I am asking you right now to jump upstairs and clean up. Thank you. Who knows, there is a big difference between the tone of my voice, I was suggesting it was an idea, and now it's miracle. It is time to tidy your room. And this was not a suggestion, a throwaway line in Scripture. This was a command from Jesus. In fact, the 613 commandments were boiled down to 10. And then Jesus said, you know, to make it really easy for you, you can't remember 10 things, I'm going to boil it down to two. Because I can't remember all the 10 commandments all the time. I get stuck on number seven. 
He said, I'm going to make it really easy. Love God and love others. That's what Scripture is all about. My challenge is, I wish God's command was, ba- was based on my personal preference. So I'm happy with the command as long as it fits the narrative of my life. So I'm happy to love those who look like me, think like me, dress like me, behave like me, have the same interests like me. But Jesus says he doesn't put anything around it. He just calls us to love our neighbors. He asks us to love people who don't hold the same value system to us. And you know, most of us are actually cool with part one. The first part, command number one, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. We're actually good with that. The atmosphere in here today is we're lifting our hands and worshiping. We're loving God of our hearts, our souls, and I think we're really good at that. But the challenge is, and this is something you could maybe write down on your small card, is that worship and intimacy with God has replaced evangelism in the church. Worship and intimacy. We'd much rather worship and get into command number one and just leave command number two for somebody else. And there's only one thing harder than worshiping God on a tough day. You ready? Sharing your faith. Sharing your faith. And I've been so guilty of this more and more. I want more and more and more of Jesus more and more and more, and yet I ignore verse 39, which is part two. And the whole of scripture hinges on part two. Love thy neighbor as yourself. It's not either or, it's both. And by the way, I'm not saying this to point a finger, because we can all hide behind worship. We can all hide behind attending church. We can actually all hide behind reading our Bible. You know something else we can all hide behind? Soul foundation. Soul Foundation, because we can go into work and we can share the incredible things that Soul Foundation have done over COVID and are doing in the supermarket and are doing in the streets of Mumbai and the incredible things that we're doing. And we can actually hide behind an initiative. We're actually, and that's part of it, but actually, do I love my neighbor? The people that God has placed on my path. We could look at how many meals customers' mouths are fed and the money we've raised, but is that really loving my neighbor on a one-to-one? And I think one of the reasons that society has found itself in such a mess is the church has gone quiet on part two. We're happy to attend church. We're happy to fill the pew, lift our hands. We're happy even to put our tithe and offering in the container. But the question is, do we love our neighbor? It's interesting that Jesus died on a cross, a Roman cross, because it symbolized God and others. As his arms were stretched out, the cross was vertical. It was, it was a point of relationship between him and his father. And then his arms were stretched out towards humanity. It's interesting, he could have died in so many different ways, yet God chose Jesus to die on a Roman cross because it was a picture of the two commandments. To love the Lord your God vertically and then to love horizontally your neighbor as ourself. The question is this, am I just doing this?
We spend our time getting spiritually overweight. We're happy to do happy to do all the spiritual stuff, but we get stuck when it comes to personally sharing our faith with our neighbors. And the enemy will do anything to replace the word love. So ignore thy neighbor, drive past thy neighbor, just wave at thy neighbor, too busy for thy neighbor. But when was the last time, and I've been challenged to this, when was the last time that I personally, one-on-one, shared my faith? Not when was the last time I brought someone to church, not when was the last time I worshiped in church, not all those things. When was the last time, personally, I led someone to Christ? See, we can hide behind so many, so many facades, and really that's what this series is all about. It's to put love back in its rightful place. How together can we love those on our path? How can we love those who are hard to love? Now, I'm not an expert on this. I'm certainly no authority on this. But I am willing to do better. And I think in this series, today I want to really provoke us a little bit and just help us to understand that this is our responsibility if we claim to be followers of Christ. I actually believe when we all get on board, we actually have the power to see transformation in our city. I don't think coming to church alone or inviting people to church alone is going to transform Norwich. The only thing that's going to transform this city is the 1,100 people that will come to church today all go out into the villages, the hamlets, the communities, the schools, the colleges, the universities, the supermarkets of this city, and they shine the light of Jesus. And we actually start to love our neighbors again. So this is going to be a challenges, some challenges over the, the four-week series, building up to the wonder. There's, on the back of your card, there's week one, week two, week three, four. Week one is going to be the objection, which we're going to talk about uh, today. Week two is going to be action, practically how do we love our neighbors. Three, uh, invitation. We're going to pray that God gives us the courage to invite people uh, to the wonder, to Christmas Eve, to the various services at the right time. And number four, I'm really excited about week four, help our church lead someone personally to Jesus. So we're actually going to, I don't like using the word, but actually train you to lead someone to Jesus outside of the church. So you're going to sit in your office and pray with someone and lead them to Christ. I'm pretty excited about that. And so, you're not as excited as last week, all the faith stuff, because that's good. That's part one, but this week is part two. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And so here's the series challenge. This is our challenge. We've got to get love thy neighbor off the pages of our Bibles into our hearts and onto the streets. Okay, it's easy to read about it, put a cap on about it. We've actually got to get it into our hearts, which is what today's all about, and onto our streets. So week one, I want to talk about my objection. And here's my big objection to the command. Okay, why do I have to? Why do I have to? That's the title of the message. Why do I have to? Why do I have to love my neighbor? Why can't I just drift through life 
looking after me and my family? Why do I have to care about somewhere else, especially when our world is so messed up? So I want to challenge us today, and some things today I might say might confront, confront our theology. I pray that we'd be open enough for the Holy Spirit to work on us. So why do I have to love my neighbor? 1 Peter chapter 1 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Peter, he was a fisherman. He has an encounter with Jesus. He's an everyday working class bloke. But when he meets Jesus, everything changes. And this is the big statement that Peter makes. He says, you were redeemed from the empty way of life. Life without Jesus is empty. Now, Peter's not saying that because he grew up in a Christian home. Peter's saying that because he's lived both lives. He's lived the life without Christ, and he's lived the life with Christ. And he makes this brash statement. He says, life without Jesus is empty. Can anyone agree with Peter? Who's grown up and said, I've had it with, with Jesus and without Jesus, but life without Jesus is empty. Peter was redeemed. Normally, if you redeem something, if you go into the supermarket and buy a box of heroes, you redeem the heroes with four pounds. Okay? You redeem it. But it says that Peter was not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold or money. He was redeemed by the price which Christ paid for him on the cross. Life is empty without Jesus. And with that thought in mind, I want us to share just a couple of thoughts today. And you can jot them down on your Love Thy Neighbor card. And these thoughts are to help and challenge us. I'm not going to give you any action points today. That will be next week. All I want to do today is challenge some of our thinking. And this is the first thought. Everyone's waiting to discover there's someone. Everyone's waiting to discover there's someone. Everyone is someone. Every single person in our city, in our county, and our nation is someone. Every single person is someone Christ died for. Every single person is someone God commands us to love. We don't get to determine someone's value because it's already been determined by Christ. We don't get to determine it. Everyone is someone and everyone is precious to Jesus. So because I have been redeemed, who's been redeemed? As in you've been purchased. Because I have been redeemed, I have a responsibility to introduce others to the Redeemer. I believe that everyone deserves to know that they can be redeemed. Everyone deserves to know that they do not have to live an empty life. We are all equal to Jesus. Everyone is someone because of Jesus. Not because of what they've done, not because of what they should do, not because of what their job they do, not because of the the, the postcode they live in, not because of the career path they're on. Everyone is someone because of Jesus. I want to show of hands here. Who would agree that every person you know who doesn't know Jesus would live a vastly better life if they did? I think we're all agreed on that. 
And a lot of you have your hands up, is because you've lived life without Jesus. It's hard enough doing life with Jesus, let alone without him. And I recognize if we, if we understand that everyone is someone, it's going to change the way we view someone. It's going to change the way we view people if we understand that everyone is someone. You know, the person who annoys you at work might not annoy you so much if you realize that they are someone. You know, I'm a believer in border control. I don't have the answers to the refugee crisis that we're having right now. All I know is, as I look at my screens this week, there's someone. There's someone. The mom holding the child in the boat, she is someone. The child is someone. There's someone. And if that someone becomes my neighbor, God's command is that I embrace them with love and acceptance. Not opinion, not intolerance, not prejudiced. Jesus commands us to love thy neighbor. And this is what Jesus does. He brings people across our path intentionally to test our hearts. And this one thought can actually change everything. When someone annoys you, annoys me, upsets me, cuts me up, does me wrong, doesn't pay the bill, they are still someone. And that someone is who God sent Jesus to die for. Everyone is someone. I'm going to keep saying this until the penny drops today because this is, you've got to understand because sometimes we choose who we love based on our personal preferences. And God says it doesn't work like that. Everyone is someone. I want to give you a piece of my mind. I want to tell you what I feel, but guess what? You're someone. You're someone. You're someone that Jesus redeemed by his precious blood. You weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but you were redeemed on the cross of Calvary by Jesus. And because he loves you, you are someone. Everyone is someone. Society might label you a misfit, a street person, a nobody, an asylum seeker, an addict, but God doesn't work like that. God doesn't see any of that. He sees you redeemed. The homeless person that we walk past on the way to work because we're so busy, there's someone. We took our kids out on Monday for Justice's birthday took him for a birthday meal to Wagamama's. He loves Wagamama's. Okay, he has the same thing every time. I'm like, Justice, did you know there's about 50 things on the menu? And you choose the same thing. And, we, and I said, Just, what would you like for dessert? And he was like, what are those cinnamon things? Those churros. They are from heaven. When you get to heaven, you're going to be passed a churro. Who would like a churro in heaven? I mean, a really long one dipped in cinnamon sugar. That's about three hours on a treadmill, by the way, so eat them slowly. So I said to Jesse, what would you like? He said, some churros. So we got the kids some churros, and we're walking past, and there was this, this homeless man. The miracle stopped, and she said, Daddy, I want to give my churros to that someone. 
I'd walk past because I was too busy. My daughter, she said, Daddy, I want to give my churros to someone. I stopped. I was like, how easy do we get just to walk past? By the way, I know a churro doesn't change someone's life, but it does for five minutes. It numbs the pain for five minutes. What happens if a churro next time turned into a conversation? Because everybody is someone. Even the people that we don't see eye to eye with, that have a different value system, different religion, they are still someone. The person at the checkout in Tesco's who barely smiles at you. I'm spending all my money here, they can't even say good morning. There's someone. And they're probably someone who's doing it really tough. The asylum seekers who are crossing the channel, whether you agree with it or you don't, there's still someone. There's still someone. Those who don't believe in God, those who worship another God, those who even mock God, those who make fun of you at work for coming to church, those who challenge you at university for what you believe, they are someone. And we can have our opinions, our objections, our concerns, and I have them too. But it doesn't change the fact that God sees them as someone. I wonder if that thought that everybody is someone has the potential to break prejudice in our lives. I wonder if that thought that everyone is someone has the capacity to change the way we see people. And if it changes the way we see people, maybe it will change the way we act towards people. And if it changes the way we act towards people, just may it change our city. The way someone dresses, looks, appears, smells, identifies, it might make us uncomfortable, but they are someone. They are someone that Jesus died for. The person who drives you crazy in church is someone. There's a lot of them sometimes. (laughs) The family member that you are desperately trying to dodge this Christmas. You're trying to find out what their plans are so you can make alternative plans. I was speaking to someone this week. They're like, I'm just trying to work out whether they're going to be there so I'll be here. There's still someone. Could that just be the neighbor that Jesus was talking about when he asked us to love? Often the someones that God's called us to love are often the ones we don't want to love. So let's get back to our message title. Why do I have to? Why do I have to love my neighbor? You ready to write it in your little card? Because everyone is someone. Come on, let's say this together. Everyone is someone. Honestly, I want us to write this on our fridges. I want you to write this because you will be tested. I was tested when I left the last service. Just the pastor, speak to Alan. And I was like, everyone is someone. Everyone. Now, who is my someone? That's the question. Because at the front of this, I'm believing to see my someone find Christ. So the question is, who's your someone? 
What about if we wrote someone in that box that it made no sense? So far gone. Feel like there's someone unredeemable, yet Jesus said he's, he or she, they're, they're your someone. What if God is calling you and I to love someone who is seemingly impossible to love? What if God is calling us to befriend someone who doesn't look like us, dress like us, different race, has a completely different viewpoint of life, and yet God says, there you're someone. There you're someone. I flew to Nigeria three weeks ago, and I'm flying, I flew from Schiphol, Norris to Schiphol, Schiphol to Lagos. I'm sitting on a plane. I always pray, I'm like, God, put me someone next to someone nice. I want two things. They don't talk, <laughs> and they smell good. <laughs> well, you're there, aren't you? You're there for the next 12 hours, seven hours, whatever it is, and you, you, know, you want things to go well. Anyway, thankfully, the guy smelled great. He was covered in cologne. It was fantastic. <laughs> Who's this Nigerian rap artist? I mean, if you sat next to my wife, my wife, they could have talked rap all night. I only know worship, okay? And we got talking, and his, his way of thinking could not have been further than mine. And God said, love him. And don't just love him on the plane, get his details and keep loving him and check in with him. Are you serious? He's like a 19-year-old punk rapper, and you want me to love this kid? I don't even know him. And he's a big deal in Nigeria. Like, he's a big deal. I mean, I would have ever heard of him, but Odacy was his name. And we started talking and sharing the love of Jesus to him. And I said to him at the end, I said, I don't need anything else. I said, can you give me a number? So he gave me his phone number. I've been texting him every week. I'm not saying that because I'm good or I'm, I'm just saying that because God told me to love him. I mean, we couldn't be further away. I'm like, do you like football? He's like, nah. I said, I hate sport. I'm like, we ain't connecting. He goes, all I'm into is rap music. I mean, I know nothing about rap music. I'm like, God, why don't you put him across someone else's path? God's like, no, you can, can be on your path. You love Odacy. So I've been messaging him. This is how God works. God doesn't always put people on the path of your life because it makes any sense to you. He puts them on the path of his life because you will make sense to them. What if God is calling us to invite someone to the wonder and we don't even like them? What if they find out you're a Christian? What happens if you invite them to the wonder, they get saved and you have to see them on a Sunday and a Monday? Because some of us, we don't want to share. We'd rather neglect our neighbor or ignore our neighbor at work and do the high and the by just because it's too uncomfortable. But maybe our takeaway today, whenever we're struggling with our neighbor, is you're still someone. You're still someone that God sent Jesus to die for. Everyone is waiting to discover their someone. Point number two, the final thing I want to mention today is this. Everyone's waiting to discover their true value in Christ. Everyone. You know, there's no greater feeling 
then discovering something is of greater value than you first imagined. Who's ever had something and you discovered it's worth far more than you realized? Now, I'm a little bit of a, a, a football collector. I haven't collected for a while, but 10 years I collected. And I used to collect programs, I used to collect signed things. I got Pele shirt, um, Diego Maradona shirt. I collect things, I like collecting things. And um, I haven't done it for a while. And someone was rooting through some of my collection of Norwich City programs, and they looked at this and they went, <gasps> I said, what's wrong? They said, you've got it. Got what? The Rochdale program from 1962. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? They said, this, this program was only printed a handful of times because the printers, it wasn't Hollinger print, the printers went wrong. The printers went wrong, and um, there was only ever a handful printed and they never did the reprint. So these became incredibly valuable. I said, well, how much is it worth? I said, I picked it up. I don't know where I picked it up, on eBay or... They said, somewhere between 500 to 1,000 pounds. I said, really? I haven't told my wife yet. So this one I'm holding my hand is worth somewhere. I checked on eBay yesterday. There's one on eBay starting at 599 to start in bid. If anyone wants to give me a thousand pounds for that today, I'm, I'm, very open to, I'm very, very open to offers. We've got some windows we need to buy for the new building. But there's no greater feeling than discovering something that you have in your possession is worth more value than you first realized. I believe if our neighbors knew they were someone and they were of value, it would change everything. The challenge is this, who's going to have the courage to tell them? Maybe we've just grown numb to the valuable people around us. And this is going to burst some Christian bubbles, but no one is of less or greater value to God. We are all the same. It doesn't matter the car you drive, the postcode you live in, the job you work at, your career path, everybody is of the same value to God. And if you have a price tag, this is what it reads, redeemed. Redeemed. You have been redeemed. You've not been bought with silver or gold, anything of monetary value that can be redeemed. You were bought by the precious blood of Jesus. The homeless person on the street is just as valuable as the businessman driving past in their Tesla. The thief on the cross spent his whole life doing some pretty terrifying things. And as they're hanging together in the last moments of his life, Jesus turns to him, does not judge him, he places value on him. And he says, today we're off to paradise for a holiday together. Wow. But he was a thief. He was a murderer. He messed up, he stole. The vilest offender who truly believes. One moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. He was still someone to Jesus. And so easy to forget the worth and the value of those around us. He wasn't a thief, he was someone. And that someone was about to go on holiday to paradise with Jesus. Wow. 
the challenge we have from Peter's scripture is he says that life without Christ is empty. When you have an empty life, you try and fill your emptiness with something that will cause devastation later on. So we're living in a world where people are so empty, so they try and fill it with sex. They try and fill it with drugs. They try and fill it with substance abuse, with alcohol addiction. They try and fill that gap, that emptiness in their life. And what happens, it causes devastation. And yet as Christians, we're standing back with the answer of what can fill that gap. We know what can fill the gap. The only thing that can fill the void in my life is Jesus. It cannot be money. It cannot be anything that this world has to offer. The only thing that can fill the void in your life is Jesus. But do people know? And they spend a lifetime searching to fill that gap. And yet they're still. I have a friend, a wealthy friend. He said to me recently, he said, I am the most unhappy I have ever been. We think that more money is just going to fill the gap, but it doesn't. When you have Jesus, you have more than anything you need. Our neighbors have no understanding of their value. So we've got to put a price tag on them. Redeemed. Who am I to place any less price tag on them than one that my father's already placed on them? so many times our neighbors can never fully understand their true value unless we have the courage to share it with them. We get so busy leading church, family, we can, all, we can all justify our reasons for not sharing our faith. We all have so many busy million things happening. But what about if we just took a step back this morning and we said everyone is someone. And everyone is valuable to God. And instead of the world putting a price tag on them, instead of people writing them off, criminal, messed up, screwed up, abandoned, single mom, divorcee, prostitute, drug drug addict, instead of the world putting a tag on them, what about we stepped up to the plate? And yes, we recognize that people have flaws and mistakes, but our job is not to cancel people. Our job is to love people and point them to the Redeemer. The price tag on my neighbor is exactly the same as mine, redeemed. The question is, do they know it? Redeemed, it means justified, rescued, vindicated, and free. You were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Here's 20 pounds. Still got the queen's head on it. Bless her. This 20 pounds has had a really tough life. Grew grew up this 20 pounds without, without a dad at home. Never knew its dad. Fell out of school early, ended up on the streets, got caught up in an addiction. Addicted to alcohol, later found out that this 20 pound was abused as a small child. Now this 20 pound struggles with its true identity. In fact, this 20 pound got up this morning 
didn't even feel like it wanted to be alive. It's been screwed up. It's even been torn. Slightly harder these days, but they still tear. Feel torn, been trodden on. People just walk past, walked all over its whole life. In fact, even some people, when they're on the street, spat on it. So they feel worthless. They feel shame. They feel guilt. Somebody just needs to come along and tell them that the value of this 20 pound note never changed. Who wants this 20 pound note? Who's doing it tough right now? You're doing it tough. Come on, just be honest. Who's doing it tough? This lady here, I'm going to come down. I want you to know, I don't know your name, but God does. I want you to know that you're valuable. I want you to know that you're redeemed. I want you to know that whatever's happened in your past, whatever's happening right now, your value to Christ, it can never change. People might try and change it. Life might try and change it. Even people closest to you might try and put a tag on you. God wants you to know that you're still his daughter. You're still redeemed because you've been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. Not with corruptible things like that 20 pound note, but I want you to keep that 20 pound note for as long as you can. And we just stare at it because it's crumpled, it's torn, and it's a picture of where you've been, but it's still 20 pounds. We want you to know we love you. What's your name? Chrissy. Fantastic. Father God, I thank you for Chrissy. I thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon her. I thank you that you love her even though so much maybe has happened in her life and maybe she's felt undervalued, maybe she's felt worthless. But today you brought her here to remind her that she is valuable to you and that value can never change. She is someone. Maybe no one's ever seen her as someone, but you see her as someone. Her price tag will never change. Redeemed by Jesus today. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give Chrissy a hand. Jesus is saying to all of us today, the same price tag I hung on Chrissy is the same price tag that we must hang on someone else, redeemed. How will they know unless we tell them? People are walking around Norwich feeling worthless, no value, thinking they're nobody. And yet we're all in church, more Jesus, more Jesus, more command number one and Jesus saying, just pause command number one and get out there and speak to someone about what I'm doing. And yes, this is why Sundays we celebrate and midweek we connect. We connect not just with each other, we connect with those. What about if our groups in church, what about if they were so uncomfortable? There was people in our groups who didn't even believe in God. Oh, I could never invite that person to my group because they don't even like church. Why not? When was the last time you and I had someone around our homes that had no interest in what we do? When was the last time we loved someone who was unlovable? This is the challenge for this series. I know you'd much rather part five of by faith. I felt God was challenging me this week. Miracle gave that churro 
I was like, wake up, John. I'm believing even this month, we're going to have an opportunity to take someone by the hand and lead them to Jesus. Maybe it'll take a year, maybe it'll take a month, whatever it is, but who would love to personally not take him to John and hope they lift their hand in a service? I'm talking about you personally share your faith. Let them know that there's someone, they're valuable to Jesus, and have the opportunity to pray with them. Wow. I think that would change our church. I think that would change our church. I pray that you've had the most uncomfortable last 40 minutes you've had all week. Because I want to know, I want to do better in this area. I want to lead people to Jesus. And this is, I'm not just teaching good Christian ethics today. I'm a believer in Christian ethics. I'm teaching a command from Scripture. This is a command. So the question is this, who is my someone? The someone who doesn't deserve it. The someone who let you down. The someone who doesn't want to know. The someone who unfollowed you on Instagram. The someone who spoke badly behind your back. That's the name that needs to go on the front of the card. Who do I need to love? Who needs to know that there's someone? And who needs to discover their value? Jesus said, a new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another's. Wouldn't it be great if, if we today understand that everyone is someone and that everyone is valuable? I hope this would be a natural response. I hope when we see people, we just go, there's someone. And if there's someone that God died for, God sent Jesus to die for, then that changes everything. That changes the way I view people. That changes the traffic jam. This can change everything if we realize that everyone is someone. The single greatest gift you can give someone this Christmas is an invitation to Jesus. It's the greatest gift you can give someone. Some of you, you've got all your Christmas lists. Imagine on our Christmas list, Uncle David, invitation to find Jesus. Cousin Jack, want to let him know he's redeemed. Imagine this Christmas if our Christmas lift was to give them the greatest gift, an invitation to Jesus. The greatest use of a human life is to point people to Jesus. The greatest gift. Should we stand? You're as quiet as you've been all year. I'll take that as a good thing. Who's been challenged today? Would you hold your card? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray from my heart today. And just, I'm going to pray for your neighbor, my neighbor. I'm going to pray for your awkward neighbor, your loud neighbor, your annoying neighbor. Online, I want you to just to close your eyes as well as we have this moment together. Father, we come to you as a someone who was once a no one found by a loving father. We thank you today. We thank you today that you see us us as valuable and priceless. 
and redeemed by you. And just as you see me as someone, I pray that I would see my neighbor as someone. And I would have have the courage to share with them their value. And I am sorry if I've replaced the word love with something easier. I'm sorry if I've ignored. I'm sorry if it's made me too uncomfortable or I've played it too safe. God, help me this November to love my neighbor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just with every eye closed, I want to give everyone one more, an, an, an opportunity, one more prayer. And it's for those who've never found Jesus. Maybe you've come to the service today, maybe you're watching online, and you never realized just how valuable, valuable you were. You never realized that you were bought with a price. Maybe society has tagged you. Maybe someone said something over you and you felt you have no value, you have no worth. You can't believe that somebody would have died for you. Well, that somebody was Jesus because you were a someone. And he saw your value. He saw your worth. So he sent Jesus to a cross. He died a cruel death. He was crucified with his arms stretched out towards you. Even though you were a sinner, the Bible says Christ died in your place. He took your sin, your shame, your pain, your discomfort. He wants you to know today that you're someone. And you're someone who's valuable to Him. But the question is today, will you recognize your value? Will you recognize today that you're redeemed? You've been bought with a price. Will you recognize today that you can have a future? Maybe just like Peter said, he said, life is empty without Jesus. Maybe that's you. And you feel you've, you've been living empty and you've been trying to fill that emptiness with so many things, but... After a while, you're left feeling empty again. That's because the the gap in your life can only be filled by Jesus. Following Jesus doesn't make life easy at all. Life is tough. But He promises us He'll never leave us or forsake us. He'll be with us in our good days and our bad days as we open up our hearts to Him. And as you're watching online in the room, I'm going to say a prayer in just a moment, but I'd love to know who I'm praying for. I'm going to count to three. From the front to the back, the left to the right. I'd love you to just say, just signal to me by slipping up your hand. Say, John, include me in that prayer. I want to receive Jesus. I recognize my worth to him today. I'm someone that Christ died for. When I get to three, just slip up your hand. Long enough and high enough so I can see it. One, he loves you, friend. Two, would you have the courage to respond to his love? Three, just slip up nice and high. Let me pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Right in the middle. God bless you. Right at the back. Right at the back. God bless you. Beautiful. God bless you. Anyone else? Come on. We can, we can hang on just for a moment longer. Amazing. We're all going to say this prayer together. It's going to come up on the screens. and You can say it. Say it from your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. To forgive all my sin and my failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Would you give everyone a huge cheer? Well done. What a great decision. 
And if you lifted up your hand, or even if you didn't lift up your hand, our team in the room will be outside in the atrium. If you, if you made that decision online, if you prayed that prayer, please just signal in the chat. Say, I have decided, or I made a decision to follow Jesus today. All right, hashtag redeemed. Whatever you feel comfortable with, and uh, we'd love to stay in touch. And if you made that decision in the room, our team will be outside in the atrium with a Bible. Make sure you go and collect a Bible, and we want to give you some information about how we can stay connected, and we want to celebrate that decision. And we have a big wall outside that says, Jesus is life. And uh, we want to screw a little light bulb in that recognizes how you've gone from darkness to light today. And we want to cheer you on and say you've made the best decision of your life today. So one more time. Come on, let's congratulate everyone who said that, said that prayer. Fantastic. All right, you guys can take a seat. Did you receive the word today? Were you challenged? I was challenged. I was challenged writing it. Everyone is someone. And everyone is valuable to Jesus. Next week, we'll look at action, putting some legs on this. But if we can start by just provoking some thought, help us see people differently, it's a whole lot easier. You know, if you think right, you'll act right. And that's why today I wanted to get our thinking on track. And then it helps us for next week for action. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.